Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist. Here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach, and trainer, Michael Lafito. Welcome back, folks. It's Michael Lafito. Welcome to the Luxury Listing Podcast. You are in the right place if you're looking to differentiate your your services from other agents or other brokerages in your marketplace, and if you're looking to dominate selling high-end home and luxury homes. Now, I sometimes get people reaching out to me. Uh, again, my name is Michael Lafito. I'm the host, and I sometimes get people reaching out to me saying, well, Michael, we don't have these trophy listings. Should I be listening to your podcast? And absolutely, you should be, because if you're even looking to break into that, that upper end or what I call that next elevated price point, so if you're Selling properties in the three to four hundred thousand dollar price point, and we can bump you up on average to four fifty to five hundred. Well, that would be the next elevated price point. So Tony Robbins says success leaves clues, and that's why we have rock star guests on here. Again, you can go to Luxury Listing Podcast to access previous episodes, or you can find us under Luxury Listing Specialist under a podcast under iTunes or Stitcher. My name is Michael Lofito, as I mentioned, and I'm really excited for today's guest. Today's guest is Bob Hurwitz. He's the founder and CEO of Hurwitz James Company, which was established in 1986, and they specialize in marketing and sale of multi-million dollar estates and luxury residential developments. Bob's going to share with us a little bit more about his marketing team. Again, his team represents properties worldwide, and they have trophy properties exceeding $3 billion in 13 different countries. So without further ado, Welcome, Bob. Thanks for your time today. Michael, it's a pleasure. Um, happy to share whatever information would be valuable uh, to your audience. And apropos to your actual introduction, um, when you mentioned about price point, how do you get into the super high end? I, one of the things that I think is really um, valuable is to understand that um, just because agents are selling you know, multi-million dollar properties, the, the skill set and um, you know basically how you how you achieve making money in the business is it's apropos to to lower end properties as well. And I say lower end that could be anywhere from five hundred to six hundred to seven hundred to twenty million. It's often the skill set is greater actually for people selling um, properties b- below a million dollars. So that was interesting what you said. I thought about that. Yeah, no problem. Thanks thanks for sharing that because again many people do have <coughs> preconceived notions that you know you have to be in the Beverly Hills market or or in some of these markets to to sell high-end and luxury and w- that's why we define high-end and luxury differently. I know certain brands talk about, you know, million dollars or three times the market average what have you. And you know, I personally define when I'm coaching agents luxury is three times whatever your average sale price is for for your given market so if you're in rochester new york and 150 is the average sale price well i would define luxury as 450 and above where someone like yourself bob you know you might define luxury as five million and above so it's all relevant depending on your marketplace that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, obviously people are in the business t- to make money and the higher price properties you sell, the more money you make. 
And in fact, in certain respects, it's it's could be easier to sell a much more expensive property, assuming you can get into that market. And you know, as I I, I think as I mentioned when I was at, speaking at the Inman conference um, last year, those properties are available. People agents to deal with with lower uh, lower price properties somehow feel it's like an impossible ceiling to shatter to get into the highest levels of what their marketplace may be. That could be, you know, a million, two million, three million, twenty million. But the reality is, there is a way to get into it because every single property that is out there that is listed with an agent for a, a number for a price that may be a lot higher than an individual agent may be thinking they can get into, that eventually may fail to sell. At that point, it becomes basically open season. And if an agent dealing with lower-end properties can, you know, basically level the playing field in terms of getting an interview or whatever, they have an opportunity to break into, um, you know, the luxury marketplace in that regard. Uh, You bring up a good point. You know, many times I ask the buyer agents that represent large sales in the Chicagoland market, that's where I'm based, you know, how did you meet your client? And many times it's still a people person, a a business, right? And and it's a friend of a friend or I've helped their parents and what have you. And, And so that's probably the most common question that we get from people listening to the podcast or when we do our trainings is, hey, how do I break in? You know, how do I get that first trophy listing? Um, And Again, it does take time. It doesn't happen overnight. But I do think out of the three ways agents can make more money this year, number one is sell more homes. Number two is increase what they charge or or be more profitable per transaction. And number three, Bob, is increase their average sale price. And and even if it's just going into that elevated price point, uh, I think that's the lowest hanging fruit. I think that's the easiest way for agents to make more money this year is increase their average sale price. And um, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out all the benefits of selling high-end homes. But but again, I can't stress this enough, enough to people listening. Don't quit selling the properties that are moving in your given marketplace, but just increase some high-end properties to your portfolio. So don't shift over everything, but increase the average sale price of, or listing price of some of the properties and diversify your portfolio. That's all we're suggesting. Yeah, well, that's, that, that's a very uh, intelligent observation. It frankly mirrors what I tell my own agents. Um, you know, I'm very selective in terms of the agents that work for my company, but I will tell you that, as an example, there, there's one of my uh, one of my agents that actually heads up a division of my company that is working on a 180 million dollar deal right now, and it, she had to fly to China. She was, you know, there's 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 a pretty complex situation that it looks like it's coming to fruition, but and of course the you know the commission is huge, but in the reality as we discussed the other day, me and hers, you know, don't forget your three and $4 million deals because, you know, again, that's a super high end for a lot of your listeners. Probably for us, it's, it's more of a, you know, a low end, but you know, those are the things that are, that, that are easier to sell and, you know, don't neglect those while you're working on the much bigger things. I will say this, and um, I think this is really, really important. And it's kind of what I tell uh, my own agents, which is, you know, there's no huge mystery to this. The when I first got when I first came to the West Side in the 80s when I first started my company, I was totally new to this particular area. Although I'd been in, uh, a broker for many years prior to that in a different area, when I got 
to the west side and started dealing with very high end properties, people would say, oh, you, you can't, you, there's no way you can get those listings, Bob, because so-and-so uh, controls the market there or so-and-so control. And I said, well, you know what? I don't know anybody socially um, uh, on the, you know, that, are, that are super wealthy in this area or anything like that, but I will tell you this. If I can somehow reduce this, um, the, the seller to making a decision based on a level playing field where I'm merely competing with my skill against the other person's skill, then I believe I will be able to control a huge section of the market, which is exactly what I did. And, and the way to look at that for agents um, is you can't compete in getting a listing the first time out on, let's say, the highest level of your marketplace because most likely someone's been in the business a long time in the very high end will get that listing the first time out. But that, most of those properties are going to fail to sell in their first iteration, and that creates an opportunity for someone who is hungry, who's proactive, who is unafraid to put themselves out there to step up and try and get, uh, you can call it an interview or, or whatever, with the seller. Because after that first experience where it fails to sell, they may not just give it back to their friend again. They're going to look for other options because they want to sell their property. And I will, I mean, I can quite frankly tell you, over 90% of my business consists of getting listings that other brokers fail to sell, not just here in California, but throughout the United States and overseas. Uh, a lot of that is a result of my, my marketing, which is um, very extensive and very, frankly, very unique uh, in terms of real estate. And sellers themselves will actually see the marketing and they go, oh, wow, this guy's doing something different. So don't feel that because you don't have friends or you're not getting referrals in, in the really high end that the opportunities aren't there because I did this very thing and, you know, made a business from taking over uh, listings that had failed to sell, you know, once, twice, thrice, whatever, and, and, and made that the crux of my business model. You know, that's a, that's a great um, point. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, A, Sometimes it's best not to be the first, but B, even if you don't have that portfolio, showing up differently by being creative outside the box, your marketing pieces are different. They capture the attention of sellers, whether that be mailings or your, your, your video messages or what have you. Bob, that, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, you know, many agents, for whatever reason, they have limiting beliefs because they what if themselves to death. What if they ask me how many similar homes have I sold? What if, what if, what if? I don't want to tell you to fake it till you make it. I don't want to tell you to, to lie and be unethical and, 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 and overstate the truth, but, but faking it till you're making it, that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying, you know, misrepresent, you know, be ethical in what it is you do as an agent, but, you know, literally just last week I had an agent out of Texas. She's a Keller Williams agent. She never sold a property above 450000 and she's got a five, she just went on a $5.1 million listing appointment. It was expired. And she basically said she would have never even stepped out of her comfort zone and 
and, and attempted to reach out to the seller through a mailer or what, I don't know if she called or sent a mailer, if she hadn't gone through the class. And so that's the problem with so many people today is they don't want to step into the batter's box, Bob, because what if I strike out? What if I get hit by a pitch? What if this? What are people going to think? And I can tell you, you're not going to get a home run if you don't step in that batter's box. And, and, and your message is spot on that we consistently talk about during the podcast. So thank you for sharing that. No, for sure. And again, I just think it's so important. Like you said, there's no limit as to what you can do in this business. But it's, it's important to differentiate yourself, uh, especially when you're competing with agents that have already made inroads into the high-end market. And, you know, what you said in terms of increasing your income, because that's the bottom line, is, is what, how much you want to make in this business. You, you can do more deals. You can do more expensive deals. You can increase your fees. And by the way, you know, this is an interesting phenomenon that's occurring um, now. It, it, I've seen this happen before over the many, many years I've been doing the business, but Agents are getting so competitive, and because of the whole proliferation of, you know, the uh, social media issue and all of these, you know, PR pieces, and uh, you know, the illusion becomes a reality in many people's minds. And the reality is, a lot of these people are cutting down their fees in a big way, which is the opposite of what I do. Um, as a matter of fact, I've had sellers go, "Well, what do you mean you're charging this? Does somebody else will take it for this?" And I will say, "Just give it to them." You know, I don't really care. And when you're in a position that where you can say no, that's empowering. But those three things that you said, you know, you, you need to look to getting higher end properties. You need to look to maintaining the fees you get paid uh, and, and, you know, or more deals. Those are the three things you can do. Right. But it isn't, you know, it's really just a matter of thinking outside the box. You, an agent who's selling $500,000 homes, trying to compete with an agent that already has a history of selling $4 million homes, and you're going in and you are going for the listing against that person, you have to change your message. You cannot deliver the same message because you don't have the credibility in terms of your track record. So you have to bring something else to the table. Now, what that may be, and uh, it's interesting because I have a lot of agents that um, from, from everywhere that, that email me and, 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 or call me or whatever about, hey, how do you do this or how do you do this? And it, it, basically, there's a lot of different ways to, to, to achieve the same end, but it is important to differentiate what you're doing from somebody else so that they can't compete with you. Don't limit yourself. There, there is, it's like you said, you need to go in, you need to get into the batter's box, like you say, and, and you're going to strike out sometimes, and you learn more by failures than you do by success, frankly. Uh-huh. That's, a great, that's a great point. Um, a couple of things I took from that is, I mean, well, first off, <laughs> I mean, leveraging it, right? So what do you do? So if you don't have the portfolio of sales and you go on the appointment, how can, what can you leverage? So, you know, an agent on, on your team, you know, would, of course, leverage your track record, your portfolio. If there's an agent with a boutique or sure. with Remax or Cobalt Bank or whoever it is, leverage your company's luxury division. Uh, now, don't say these are our listings. Or don't say these are my listings. Say these are our company's listings. And, and you know, that's 
part of the reason that agents get our certification, like the Keller Williams agent in Texas that's got that 5.1. She was leveraging the certification from a way to differentiate herself from the competition. But if you show up like everybody else, I think Albert Einstein wants to find insanity like that, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That just isn't working, especially in most luxury marketplaces. Again, I talk with concierge auctions. I talk with top luxury agents across the globe. And what I can tell you is that highest price point of home in any given marketplace is not hot. I mean, most properties in that elevated price point in that top 5%, those properties are not, they're accumulating days on the market, they're sitting, there's a lot of inventory, or if there's not a lot of inventory, the stuff that's out there, it's sitting for a while. So get in the mindset of that seller. He's not going to want to hear the traditional pitch. He's going to want creativity with your online and your offline marketing plan. And I know, Bob, that that brings me to my next point. You talk about your marketing team. I know that you uh, many times double end a lot of your properties would you maybe share with um you know the the listeners you know some of the things that you do that maybe is different to to either attract more high-end clientele or for the the properties that you do represent actually maybe a nugget or two that you're actually helping that you can share that is helping get these properties sold Sure. I mean, and, and don't, let's not forget, it's, you know, the, the key thing is selling the properties. And what you said is, is absolutely 100% right on. You know, the, everybody will read about the big sale, the 50, 60, 70, 80, $100 million sale or whatever. And those are very few and far between. Uh, but it catches the imagination because, oh, my, everybody will figure out how much money that agent made selling that property, which may be completely different than what people might think, by the way. But the, the reason, here's what I do. I, I've developed a, a business model that is very, very different. Um, and, you know, for me, I turn down actually far more listings than I take because I'm CEO of the company. I spend the dollars marketing the property. And if I think I can't sell it um, at a price that the seller is reasonably going to expect, and I'm not interested in getting the property, uh, which sometimes, you know, sellers don't really particularly care for. So they go, what do you mean? Every, every agent wants this listing. And I'll say, well, I'm not interested in, in some trophy that I'm not going to sell. I'm interested in, you know, selling the property and it, you're happy and I'm happy. And, and I move on to the next one and you're on my reference list. So the reason I double end a lot of properties, Michael, is, is a function of two things. One is the marketing. And I've been doing this forever since I was 19 years old. I know what works. and I know what doesn't work. And uh, that does change over time, but ultimately, to simplify it to really its most base level is you want to expose a property to the greatest amount of potential buyers as possible. And um, sometimes that may be, uh, even in my mind, who's been doing this for such a long time, and I mean, I'm consulted on, on marketing, not even on listings I don't take, just on big developments, I will imagine who I think the likely buyer will be, but... It, Anything, it can be an anomaly. Someone comes in that's totally different than what you imagine. And mm-hmm. so the goal is to, is to keep the property on a consistent basis, but a basis that changes in terms of how it looks in the marketplace so it doesn't, quote, get stale. Right. Um, it, it, and keep it in front of people that can afford to buy it. And there's so many different ways to do that. It would take up hours to, to go into it. Basically, 
the first part of the, of the answer to your question is you need to market your property in, in different ways. I mean, you and I have discussed, for instance, um, the Pinnacle List and then Chris and Marcus Saganiak. They do some amazing marketing, and I will yeah, put my do. properties out through them in addition to uh, what I do anyway, which is, which is um, very much proactive and global in nature. But it, it's not just a function of doing that. What happens is if you actually market these properties in an intelligent way, um, you're going to get buyers directly, not coming through other agents. Like so many of my sales are to overseas buyers, uh, people completely out of the area from the East Coast, maybe that's coming to buy something on the West Coast. But because the marketing is reaching out effectively to them, it's not just coming through the MLS or Realtor.com or Zillow or something like that, I, they'll deal with me directly. Or in the case of my agents, they'll deal with my agents directly if it's their listing. So then what then the second and really the most important part of this equation in relates to selling houses of you know less value or higher value is the ability to close the transaction. And that means, you know, and I said this when I spoke at the Inman conference, we are not educators. We don't get paid to educate people. We don't get paid to be someone's best friend. We get paid when we sell the property. And you are, you're, you're doing your job. You're handling your fiduciary responsibility um, to the seller and the buyer and putting the deal together in everybody's best interest. And so what, what, what happens is so many agents are really afraid to be assertive in terms of making the deal happen. These are basic closing skills that are, that, that are applicable to not just real estate, but I don't care if you're selling cars or whatever. Recognize, create a sense of urgency when you do get a buyer uh, for your property, be knowledgeable about the market and why this property is, is, is a good property and here's why they, sh- you know, they should buy it. Again, if someone doesn't like a property, they're not going to buy it and you're wasting your credibility by trying to close them on that. But you, as an agent, an effective agent, you need to be able to make the deal happen. And, if, and too many agents are way too passive. You need to do it. If, if the person does not buy that property, you make zero. You don't make part of the money. You make zero. So if they're interested, they like the property, your job is to put them together. And I will tell you this. My, my wife is a psychologist, actually, and she literally has is, is, is been in disbelief for many, many years because I will represent so many buyers and sellers, and they'll end up being good friends of mine for, for decades, really, and I'll do a lot of deals with them, which would seem kind of bizarre when you think, oh, wow, there's a seller, there's a buyer, how can you really represent both people? I am of the mindset that um, no one truly, truthfully does a deal unless they're really happy with the deal. And it's your job as an agent to get people to the middle. And, 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 and that represents the, the best deal for both parties. So it's a function of those two things. One, you really have to do marketing, effective marketing, in as many ways as possible. And when you do get a buyer, you have to close the party. It's as simple as that. Or even the agent. Um, if you're not double ending it, a lot of agents, they, they do not have the, in a, you know, I mean, I, I get along with all agents, but frankly, a lot of them are, are very passive in terms of trying to, you know, close their client when the client likes the, likes the property. So you need to help them. You need to assist yeah. them, give them the material yeah. to create that sense of urgency. Yeah. I, I would agree with you completely. Uh, when when we, you know, help agents, when you're dealing with the buyer's agent, you have to help them. You have to assist them. You have to get them 
they represent the buyer, don't get me wrong, but you have to make their life easier by giving them the materials, you know, to, to create that urgency, to make a compelling, uh, you know, compelling argument why they should choose your property over, over the competition. And many of these buyer's agents, what I'm finding, maybe not in your market, but in some of these outlining areas, you know, in the Midwest and South and, and some of these areas where, you know, the average sale price is well below a million, is they don't want to ruffle their client's feathers at all because this is their trophy client. You know, I mean, and they don't want to come across as too pushy because, you know, if they lose them, wow, what, they're already counting the commission dollars ahead of time. So, you know, I'm a huge DISC personality profile. And, and, and when you're dealing with negotiations, you're not just dealing with the buyer, but you're dealing with the buyer's agent. And you have to stroke that agent's ego a little bit as well. That's, a, that's an art form in itself. That's exactly right. I mean, it's really interesting because you're preaching to the choir. That's one of my, that's why I even tell sellers. I mean, the, the reality is as someone who controls a lot of the market myself, um, I'll, I'll show a property. I'll see someone likes the property and the agent will be afraid to be too assertive because they do not have a contractual relationship with the buyer. Therefore, they're exactly like you said, they're afraid. Oh my God. Okay. This is, this person is a walking hundred thousand dollar fee to me and I can't be too, pushy or they are going to work with somebody else. That's why as a listing agent, it's important to understand this dynamic and take advantage of it and basically introduce yourself into the, uh, into the equation, so to speak. If I see someone likes a property and the agent is like being passive, I will, I'll say, look, you know what? It looks like you guys love this property. And if you do, you should step up your agent, whoever this person may be, did a great job. They thought this would be good for you. It doesn't really matter to me. I'll even tell us that to buy. I'll say it doesn't really matter to me um, who buys it because I get paid anyway, but you guys love right. it and there's nothing else like it. So you should step up and I'll empower that agent and the agents love it because the listing agent has credibility, especially if there's a lot of activity on a property, they have credibility that um, the, the, the selling agent, so to speak, may or may not have for a variety of reasons. And if someone recognizes that the listing agent is getting paid no matter what, and they're, and you have to bond with them in a natural way. I mean, the idea of manipulating people, um, that's not what I'm talking about. No. It's like you have to do it, you know, really from your heart. And you have to really, you know, it's not like, okay, there's a seller, you know, or there's a buyer, I'm the agent. No, they're just people, okay? And you have to talk to them like you would talk to anybody else, but understand the goal is to get them from the point of liking the property to actually writing on the property. And then there's a whole mm -hmm. series of events that have to occur in order to bring this to fruition. But if you understand that as the, as the listing agent, that is going to make your job a lot easier and be a lot more successful. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, what are you seeing? What are you seeing in regards to um, overall luxury market. I mean, you, you have your finger in different markets. I mean, obviously you represent uh, properties um, from San Francisco, New York, London, London Shanghai, Singapore. Um, you know, I saw some properties in, uh, property in Oregon, Gold, Gold Beach, it was beautiful on your website. What, what are you seeing overall? Is the market trending you know, warmer? Like it's, it's more of a seller's market? Uh, again, speaking in broad stroke here, uh, talking about, you know, million dollar plus marketplace or maybe even multi-million dollar based on some of the markets you service. What are you seeing overall trend-wise? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. There's been more sales on the west side on, on the really high end this year than 
um, in, in recent times. But I will tell you that I've seen it slow down. And um, the, what's happening is, let's just take the west side here, first of all, because um, globally it can be a little bit differently. But um, there's a lot of new construction on the high end um, that has been, because some of these properties take three, four, five years to build. You know, you're talking 20,000, 30,000 square foot homes and, um, you know, they're, they're asking ludicrous prices in many cases, 100 million, 200 million, 300 million. And I have seen it slow. I've seen prices come down. And really, when I'm, I'm talking like from 30 million to 20 million, 50 million to 35 million, things like that. And what, what's going to happen? And I've seen this, I mean, a, a number of times because I've been doing this so long. It happened when the interest rates went up to 18%. It happened in the early 90s. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's happened, you know, recently. And it's starting to happen now. What, what happens is when you get all this new construction coming on the market for, you know, 10, 15, 20 million or more, and then someone gets in trouble, a builder gets in trouble, and they sell cheap, then all of a sudden that sets the bar, and you're going to see prices drop further. Because why is someone going to pay $20 million for this when, the same, when more square footage, new construction down the block just sold for $10 million? So one person can really screw it up. And I have seen it slow. And what you're going to see, because there's so many more, I think there's like 30 properties being built in Bel Air right now that are all just, you know, basically look sort of the same. Um, you're going to see that people are going to be looking a lot more careful at, uh, at prices, being more aggressive. I've seen that myself. I just closed one for uh, around $9 million that was originally listed with somebody else for fifteen. Um, new construction over in, in Beverly Hills. So I definitely have seen there is a, a slowdown. There is still going to be the anomaly. People that have so much money, um, you know, and they want something and it's one of a kind and they'll step up. But people with a lot of money aren't stupid. And, um, you know, they're observing what's going on as well. So you really, it's better to be the second, third, or fourth agent, in, which is good for your audience who's looking to go up into the high end. In many cases, if the original agent is not, um, strong enough to get a really good price on the initial offering. Right. Well, that, that's, that's a good point. Um, r random question here, but uh, determining price on some of these unique one-of-a-kind properties, uh, you know, obviously is not a simple task. Do you recommend, uh, do you work with a strong appraisal team, um, you know, a third party, so to speak, or, you know, how, how do you determine price on some of these unique properties, Bob? Okay, well, first of all, as far as the appraisers, I don't give any credence to appraisers, to be honest. Um, because usually they'll just call me or some other top agent and go, what do you think this, you know, what do you think about this? So, I mean, the, the reality is, and I'm, I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to throw appraisers under the bus, but it, it, these very unique properties are difficult generally to establish, you know, what a true price is. Now, you can look at a, um, you know, from a square footage basis, um, you know, and, and, and kind of figure out, okay, this is generally what it should be. For someone like myself and other, uh, you know, other top agents that deal in, in the really high end, we see enough properties that you can kind of figure out what things should go for generally. Uh, from my standpoint, you know, because so many of my listings were previously listed by other agents, there is, um, you know, there's kind of something already set. Now, often it, they didn't, the reason they didn't sell wasn't because they were too high, just because they weren't marketed at all. Uh, and oftentimes I'll sell properties I don't reduce at all. Even though the seller will say, hey, should we reduce? They'll say, no, I, I think it's priced right.
but it just really wasn't marketed the way it should be. So let, you know, let me do what I do for a while and we'll see what kind of feedback we get. So, but in terms of pricing, I mean, where there's a lot of really high-end properties, it's easier, obviously, because, okay, here's, you know, a contemporary style home, same size lot, here's the square footage, that just sold for $20 million. let's say it was 3000 a foot or 2000 a foot or whatever it is, and you can kind of figure out what it is. But, you know, I, I have to tell you, the, the difference between getting top dollar for your property as a seller and it's sitting unsold or going for less money is so reliant on the skill of your agent. I can't stress that enough. And I'm not trying to say that to be self-serving. It's just a plain fact. It really is. It's, it is a function of how effective your agent is in marketing, in closing, in interacting with other agents. Because a lot of this is, you know, I can call someone and, and say, hey, look, I got this listing. It's off the hook. You've got to check it out. And I can kind of schmooze that person and, and, and maybe get a showing um, that maybe somebody else wouldn't get. You know, there's certainly some value to that, but sure. but it really you would be shocked, or maybe you, you know, you've been doing this for a long time, and you're obviously, I mean, you get you know you you get your act together, you understand that the skill set is so important of the agent is ultimately the most important thing in terms of the seller selling their property as quickly as possible for the highest price possible, because I've seen the opposite occur, and I've seen agents that are really good. Matter of fact, if I have a, a really solid buyer, uh, I have a guy from Singapore right now, I'll call agents that I know if it doesn't fit the inventory that I have, and I'll say, hey, what do you got? Because I know they're deal makers. And I'll say, what do you have that's good? Here's what my client's looking for. They can go up to $25 million. And the people that are deal makers, they're going to sell their people's property a lot better than some other agent that's literally doing nothing or does not understand the, how important it is to interact effectively and helpfully with another agent. You know, managing their expectations, I think, is really important. And I think in so many ways you, you came out and flat out said that, right? I mean, dealing with some of these other agents, if they don't do a good enough job of managing their seller's expectations up front, in other words, they've overpriced the listing. And now you're dealing with an agent that's incompetent, and the seller might not have a, a, a realistic finger on the pulse on the market, based on the agent he chose. That's exactly right. And that's the problem. It, it, you know, one of the business models, uh, unfortunately, is agents will, competing for a listing will just basically come with a, a ridiculous price, hoping that they'll be able to get the seller down in price, okay? Or, um, you know, at, at some point, the person will become desperate. or so maybe somebody crazy during the window of time they have a listing is going to come in and, and pay and pay that price. But that's, you have to manage the expectations of the seller. I tell sellers up front when they call me, I'll say, you know what, one thing you'll get from me is the truth about what I believe the value of your property is because I turn down more listings than I take. And I, the people go, well, yeah, I want to hear the truth. But really, sometimes they don't want to hear the truth. But I'll tell them, I'll say, look, you know, I can't get you. When I go see the property, I'll say, I can't get you this number. And they'll go, well, well why not? Go, because it's not realistic. It's not even close to being realistic. Now, I am not an agent that tries to undermarket things and get multiple offers. I think that's just a, a lazy way for an agent to not you know, spend any marketing dollars. I'd rather right. get the seller as much as possible, but you, it has to be somewhat within reason. Now, that being said, the caveat is some of the properties that I take on are really, frankly, almost impossible to figure out what they're really worth. I mean, I had one client, he had about $95 million into one house, and, but it wasn't worth that. You know, it was to somebody else, it isn't worth that. And he had some, 
some problems with the property um, in terms of design, uh, et cetera. But so that's the other thing. Sellers will sometimes think, well, I've got this, I put 50 million in this house, therefore it's worth that. I go, no, it isn't. You know, right. I've sold properties for 15 where the guy has 34 into it. That isn't, that, that has nothing to do with what it should sell for. But my just like ju- just like the flip side of the coin, right? If someone buys a property for two million, they're trying to sell for eight, and a buyer comes and says, "Well, they only paid two; it shouldn't be worth eight. No, it's, it, that's that's not the case either, right? That's exactly right. And you hear that, you know, a lot. Someone goes, "Well, wait, wait a minute. This person only paid this." And I'll say, "So what? That's not the point. The point is, what is it worth to a reasonable buyer on today's market? And this is what it's worth. Just because that." person got a benefit in some way of getting a good deal on it. Or maybe, you know, often the, the published price is not even the real price anyway. There could have been other factors involved. They could have bought personal property for an additional $2 million. There's all kinds of elements that go into it. And it's very important as an agent that you not be an order taker. And too many agents are order takers. They just listen and go, okay, I'll do this or I'll try and do this. But no, you need to advise intelligently and effectively to control the situation in a matter that benefits you and the client, whether that be the buyer or the seller. Right. Yep. That's, that's exactly right. Well, listen, I mean, you, again, you and I met at Inman Luxury last year. For any of the listeners that have not attended an Inman Luxury event, I think it's October 18th and 19th in Beverly Hills. Strongly recommend it. Um, you know, you and I could go on and on. Um, I tell the listeners we try to keep it to about a half hour, and I know your time is, is valuable. Now, B- Bob, let me ask you something. If somebody's got a referral, you know, they got someone, you know, moving into California, or maybe they know somebody that, that uh, has a property out there, it's not selling, and they want a second opinion, what, what's the best way for, for somebody to, to get in contact with you? The, the best way is either to call my office at 310 310- Four seven seven eight eight six five, or email me bob at the hjc.com so it's bob at t-h-e-h-j-c.com and uh, I get a lot of emails and a lot of calls but I'll always get back to everybody particularly with a referral or anything like that or just any general advice I'm happy to help out yeah, and, and Bob's a stand-up guy. Uh, that's obviously why we have him on this show. He, he's got a wealth of knowledge, and, and he practices what he preaches, unlike a lot of people out there. We only have the best of the best on, on this podcast. Again, if you, if you have any uh, questions on, on previous episodes, feel free to reach out to me. Again, Michael at MarketingLuxuryGroup.com, Michael at MarketingLuxuryGroup.com. If you have any questions about our certification, Luxury Listing Specialist certification, again, you can email me or go directly to LuxuryListingSpecialist.com. Finally, future episodes. we got some great people lined up, just like the same caliber of Bob. If you do have someone that you think would be a great guest on the, the Luxury Listing Podcast, please let us know. All ears. Again, we want the best of the, the best agents from the West Coast, the East Coast, different brands, and that's what we try to, to encompass in a 25 to 30 minute podcast. Again, you can download previous episodes on iTunes or Stitcher. My name is Michael Lafito. Thanks for listening to the Luxury Listing Podcast. Bob Hurwitz from Hurwitz James and Company did a tremendous job uh, today. And uh, thank you for your time. And until the next episode, take care. 
Hey there, it's Michael Lafito. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. If you are interested in signing up for our luxury listing specialist certification, or if you want additional information on how you can dominate selling higher end homes in your marketplace, make sure you go to luxurylistingspecialist.com.